I mean, I didn't tell her for ages. She's, I mean, she started to know that something's wrong with me. Eventually, like, kind of, it was told to her generally that, you know, Vijay's quite sick. Um, but not, not the specifics. Okay. I mean, I think until very recently. Mm. She's not known specifically what's wrong with me. And um, that's, that's largely my, my bad. Because as, as like a, as like kind of in my industry, also like, you know, trying to be like a macho husband, you know, it's like, you don't want to tell people that you're like, this is what you're going through because they look at you differently. Welcome to the uh, very first Quipster podcast. Uh, with me today is Vijay Aurora. Uh, I've known him since uni. He's a personal trainer and in his spare time, director of photography. No. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, stop no. Stop you right there. Full stop. No. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I, work, I work with production. Um, so I would be more of a production manager. Okay. So what's the difference between that and director So uh, DOP is literally the guy behind the camera, which okay. I don't do. So... I uh, am less technical, more kind of involved in like organizing the shoot, kind of making sure everyone's where they need to be. They've got everything they need. They know what they're doing and they're doing it. That's kind of more, more my thing. And then I kind of just get my hands into little things where I can. Okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting. One thing I always wondered, how did you get into that? Because you've been doing this since what? Your... It's been a couple of years now. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a very good question, actually. <laughs> uh, so I've always been interested in film in terms of, um, like, obviously with the martial arts, uh, most most people are inspired by less less fighters and more, like, action stars, you know? Mm. So, like, uh, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where my first influence came from. Well, Goku, with, Dragon Ball Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, it was always kind of in front of the mirror, flying around, you know, thinking yeah. that I'm in a film. Um, and then I kind of, uh, I went from that to kind of making my own kind of little choreography stuff with my friends and stuff like that. So like you, and, Mahan, uh, and the dance yeah. studio. Yeah, so even, even before that, like, um, when I was like 15, 16, I used to make, make small films with my friends. And, um, so that's kind of where I got an idea behind, like, especially with action photography, like where you need to place the camera and things like that to kind of give the effect of actual contact. Um, while shooting that is that's how I broke my nose the first time because uh, I um, I actually got hit in the face oh my god so that that was fun and uh, because we were making a movie that time it's on film which is always good to have uh, so there's just a video somewhere of you just getting punched full on in the face link in the description oh <laughs> it's like a, yeah it's, it's literally a video of me uh, just getting smashed in the face oh Jesus and then uh, bleeding everywhere and my nose is like a zigzag it's it's pretty uh, pretty fun, um, so yeah. So I started doing those kind of things, and I always, you know, I was I was always trying to get into kind of actually doing some acting and things like that. So my my brother he actually studied kind of filmmaking at university. Where did he go? He went to Brunel. Okay. So he actually he started off uh, studying electronics, I believe, and then he switched his degree <laughs> to multimedia. That's and, bizarre. Uh, yeah. And then he started doing filmmaking. So I think the first proper kind of film production shoot that I was a part of was um, one of his student films, mm -hmm. which if I can remember the name, which I probably can't, but the idea was basically 
about a guy who's having nightmares and in his nightmares there's a guy trying to kill him basically and uh, it was very Matrix inspired like trench coats and sunglasses and everything oh yeah and um, we actually managed to uh, hire out an entire wing of a hospital well like of, an abandoned hospital no like, like a actual... real, real hospital yeah oh, they wow. had they had an entire ward they weren't using basically that's and weird for the NHS yeah definitely yeah well <laughs> we'll get to that later <laughs> yeah. won't we yeah so <laughs> but um yeah, so we, we actually, uh, we had the whole war to ourselves, no supervision, which was weird. <laughs> and wow. uh, yeah, so we had a scene where he was in a coma, basically, and I was still kind of like, he was kind of stuck dreaming, basically, because uh, I was attacking him. And we had a, a fight scene on the roof of Brunel University with samurai swords, and we somehow got permission for that. Wow. Yeah, which was... Uh, I mean, <laughs> typical rule of filmmaking, like, ask for forgiveness, yes, not permission. exactly, literally. Um, so my brother my brother was the first one to get into uh, the filmmaking stuff in fact he was the first one to get into the martial arts as well really so yeah he's is he uh, older or younger he's five years older to me oh wow so okay. he started off uh, actually doing ninjutsu okay so he used to come back from training and beat the crap out of me with whatever he'd learned that day <laughs> amazing and that kind of helped me um, kind of pick up some stuff as well um, and then yeah I, I kind of I was in a few of his short film kind of things mm. and uh I really enjoyed it. And awesome. So I wanted to do more kind of stuff like that. So I thought, you know, no one's going to put me in a, in a movie, so I'll start kind of making my own ones, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I was always trying to kind of dabble in that kind of choreography kind of stuff. I really enjoyed doing it. It was really fun. Okay. It's like kind of choreographing like a dance, you know. It's like, yeah. you know, you do this, I'll do this, you do this, <laughs> you know. And we have a little flow going, which is quite nice. Um, but then my brother actually started properly getting into like commercials and stuff like that okay so i used to like run on set for him and stuff like that like free labor you know yeah. get the younger brother to do the, the, the heavy lifting family in, literally, literally like i'm doing today yeah um, you can't see it but my cousin is uh, our production assistant today <laughs> behind the camera he looks so enthused He's definitely just texting away isn't he <laughs> as these kids do these days <laughs> so how did you go from 16 year old following in the footsteps of your old brother mm. doing like short films about martial arts and stuff <clears throat> to a law degree so law was something I always was pressured into by your parents not so much <laughs> I mean I guess it's it's more of like you kind of grew up with like well I have to have a real job mm. you know and yeah. you know it's, it's, it's like okay so is it gonna be kind of finance business or law something like that you know Yeah. and uh, I grew up watching all these legal dramas <laughs> like the practice and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is uh, pretty cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, UK law is not reflective of American law at all. No. No, no not in the slightest. No. I feel like British law is significantly more boring. Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like they, they try their best to make it boring so people don't commit crimes and have to go to court. But um, it's, it's terrible. So I, from quite a young age, actually, from around the age of like 12, I was geared towards law. Okay. And uh, mostly myself. I was, I was quite interested in it. Mm. Um... I made sure that kind of like my GCSEs were kind of geared towards doing law as A-level. Um, I specifically went to a college that did law as an A-level because most of them don't. Yeah, yeah, that's actually really interesting. It's quite, it's quite hard to that. find uh, A-level law. Yeah. So I, I went to um, John Ruskin College in uh, Croydon. Sounds amazing. But yeah, I mean, uh, someone got stabbed on my third day at the tram station. Jesus Christ. In front of me. Oh my Good God. Good times. Yeah. Uh, fantastic college there. Otherwise, I mean, amazing teachers had great, great time there. 
Um, Croydon, however, is not known for its. Uh, no, no. It's more. To, it's more <laughs> I didn't towards even like. Finish that sentence. Yeah, it's, it's it's more towards like New Addington, which is even worse. So it's. Uh, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time there. Yeah, it's it's, it's why it's still alive. <laughs> so, um, so I, I I was doing law. I did my A levels, and when I went to university, Sussex, or I met you, obviously. That's true. So about a month into my degree, mm-hmm. I decided that this is terrible. And I really didn't like it. So I was, um, I had quite like a general base for law from the A-levels. So I was kind of going over similar things that I did before. Yeah, so I started started uh, studying law at uni. Mm. And um, I had a basic idea of what I was getting into. But obviously it's much more in depth at university level. And you kind of, you start kind of going through case law. You start kind of seeing how you approach questions. Like if you're actually having an issue, like you've got a client that's come to you with a problem and you have to kind of find out what the answer is for them, basically. So uh, what, what generally kind of knocked me off was that I'd approach a question and I would kind of think, okay, so these two people have a dispute, for example, what's the kind of common sense resolution to this? Hmm. And then the law would be the complete opposite. And really? nine out of 10 times, I would be like, this is kind of ridiculous. Like, right. you know, um, you know, I mean, for me, obviously the law affects everybody. It's quite overriding in its uh, control over most people. And at some point or another, you're going to have to kind of get involved with it, whether you're buying a house or whatever you're doing. There's a lot to go through. And I just kind of started getting disheartened with it. Like, you know, okay, you literally, this is written in a language that you need to hire an interpreter for. <laughs> That's basically what a lawyer is, you know? It's like, you could do it yourself, but it's not in English. So, <laughs> good luck, <laughs> you know? Um, and I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. And law's not really a nine-to-five job. Like, you don't just go there in the office in the morning, kind of finish it off, go home, spend time with the family. Like, it's a lot of work, a lot of hours, and it's kind of becomes your whole life. And I feel like, you know, I, I've always wanted a job that, you know, I'll enjoy so much that, like, I can still think about it afterwards, but not in a bad way. Mm. Something and you're passionate about. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I, I literally decided that if I do this for the rest of my life, I will probably kill myself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> law... I, I know quite a few people who are lawyers, and yeah. especially things like corporate law yeah. or like maritime law. And that's where the money is. Yeah, it's where the money is, because it's <clears throat> the most unbelievably Monday unrelentingly... Stuff. It's yeah. terrible. It's, it's literally... I mean, uh, when I used to do my dissertations, I used to send them to my, my girlfriend mm. and be like, uh, just have a read through this. If you get through the first paragraph and you don't understand anything, it means it's good. <laughs> you know? And, um, Was this Naomi? This is Naomi, yeah. Now wife. Now wife. Now wife, yeah. There you go. Hopefully into the future. <laughs> into the future. <laughs> and, and, and hopefully when this podcast is released, it'll still be the case, let's see. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I kind of, I was like, kind of, I was all, I mean, I, up until this point, I was still like super interested in martial arts, like going to the gym, training was like a big part of my life. Mm. But obviously the, the, the idea that I could live off that just never crossed my mind. And obviously no one would ever put that thought in my head either. And while I was at Sussex, I started doing kickboxing. And that's how we met. And that's how we met, yeah, because yeah. we were doing fencing, I was in kickboxing, and we kind of run, started running in the same kind of sporty circles. And, and then we met through Fran, actually, because yes. she was doing kickboxing. Yeah. And then so, I think I met her in the library. Yeah, so the first time I met Fran, she doesn't remember meeting me. 
um, which was at one of the uh, freshers fairs. Mm. So I was there in my kickboxing kit trying to like kind of recruit people. Yeah. And um, so I met her there briefly because Mahan introduced me to her. But oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. And uh, <laughs> then uh, I met Rima through Franis, through Mohan, sorry. Yep. And I was with her at the gym, actually, and Fran had come to work out. And basically, she couldn't get into the gym. So I gave her one of my guest passes so she could come in, and that's how we started talking. Right. And, yeah, so then I ended up living with those two girls as well. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. A lot of time spent around your place, just being like, woo, yeah. ethnic patrol. <laughs> there, were, there was, like, I love how it was literally just brown people in that group, yeah. and one white guy. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. But like, it is really interesting that like you've gone from something <clears throat> like the very straight and narrow, mm. you know, I'm doing a law degree, this would be my path. And you've just completely veered away from that. So, I mean, I, I was playing with the idea. So I started doing kickboxing. I really enjoyed it. Mm. And uh, I ended up taking over the clubs. I was the president of the club, captain of the team and all that, that stuff. And uh, I was I was starting to think like you know I can see how this business is being run, I could do this you know this is a thing that I could do. Um, I, I would help out kind of instructing new people and stuff like that, and I, I really enjoyed it. So you know you start being like okay so I'll do law until I've saved up enough money and then I'll open my gym or then you know okay no I'll do law and that side by side and then like okay yeah I'm just gonna do that because <laughs> no. Yeah, so it literally got to a point where I was going to uni literally only if I was going to train or if I was going to the gym. I didn't go to any of my lectures, didn't go to any of my seminars. Really? Sorry, Sussex University. <laughs> I, I really wasn't there very much. I didn't know anyone on my course. Really? I was completely clueless. But somehow, I was actually quite good at it. I was good at law, somehow. Natural so, talent. Yeah. I mean, well, I have a reasonably good memory. Mm. It's gone now. <laughs> But um, from like kind of GCSEs, A-levels, I was studying history, politics, all that stuff. It's just dates, just remembering dates, remembering dates. Mm. So when I would kind of uh, be taking exams or revision, it would literally be a case of, okay, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this. So I'd have like one page for every subject that I was studying. And then all my, um, my counterparts in the law were like kind of like, you know, 35 pages of notes for every topic. And... I think with law, it kind of, I mean, you have to be concise, you know, like you're answering a problem basically. So, you know, they don't want to know the law. They want to know what the law that applies. So a lot of the people in my course, they would do so much reading, they would do so much studying and they'd always be freaking out. And I would start freaking out because I'm not freaking out. So I'd be like, okay, you guys are in the library every day. I'm going to the gym. Something's not right. Gains. <laughs> yeah, basically. I was like 50 kilos at that point. I was like, yeah, that was that was me thinking I'm heavy. <laughs> yeah. and, um, I love, it was the same, like, <laughs> back in the day, we were, like me and my brother, we'd be like, oh yeah, if you can lift deadlift more than 100, that's big. And we look back and we're like, <laughs> no. how little we knew. Oh gosh, yeah. You know, if you actually work deadlifts and squats, you, you're doing pretty good as well at that age, you know. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> chest every day. Oh my God, <laughs> don't even... But um, yeah, so I, I, I used to just kind of walk into an exam with a very base knowledge and just blag the rest of it. Mm. So I'm very bad at things like maths and science, which have one answer. If, if something is kind of open to interpretation or like, you know, I can talk enough that even if I'm wrong, I have a reasoned argument for it. You're fine. You know, it's all positive marking. <laughs> so, you know, even if the very end thing is wrong, how you got there is important to you. 
So law kind of agreed with me that way. So I managed to blag my way through my degree and come out with a T1. Did you did you ever actually have like a law job? No. <laughs> Thank God, no. Literally uh, so literally, I mean, I got my degree, threw it in the back of my cupboard, <laughs> said hello, hello debt that I have not deserved and uh, <laughs> went on with my life. So what was the first thing you, the first job you did after uni? So when I finished uni, um, obviously I was like, okay, I'm going to go into fitness. So that was an immediate decision? Yeah. So, I mean, I think towards the end of uni, I'd already kind of decided to much to the uh, sadness of my parents, you know, they were like, because they they were still kind of hoping that I would kind of start working properly Mm. and kind of get stuck into that routine and then just not have time for anything else. You know, which was what I was scared of as well. I mean, I was like, you know, I'll I'll do it, I'll get used to it, I'll enjoy the money, and then I just won't do anything else. You know, which is what happens to most people. You know, yeah. And um, so I got I got my um, my fitness certification from some dodgy company. See, I was say, how does that work when you decide? Okay, I want to become a personal trainer. Do yeah. you like? Are there specific qualifications you need? Or like, so what that it's process? very like it's actually quite all over the place. Like, okay. um, it's not as easy as it should be. I feel like it should be quite... In a way, it should be more uniform, and at the same time, it shouldn't be, because there are a lot of people... Like, I've, I've trained with, like, master PTs who knew nothing, you know? And then I've, I've just been to the gym myself with these, like, you know, these old-school guys that have just been there forever doing it, and they just know everything, you know? They're not qualified, but I would rather be trained by them, you know? Right. It's, it's kind of... Uh, it's become a, a big kind of society of insurance needs to cover stuff. You know, right? So okay. you know, are you insurable? Is the main question. So for me, I I mean, uh, I I think I got my my first fitness certification off of a, a voucher or something like that. It was like a group one. Yeah, it was a group one. There a you go. Group one. It was a group one. Wow. And because um, it's expensive, man, and I had no money. Yeah. <laughs> so well, how, well, how expensive is it? I mean, the one that I did was like the first first certification I did was like five hundred quid. Okay, but then like when you're moving on to like proper PT stuff, it's like up to two grand. It can be so it's really expensive. Wow, and the qualifications <laughs> are they in specific things or is it like yeah? So like I mean, it's it's uh, so there's different levels and it's kind of a lot of stuff that you don't need to know. Like it's really focused on like kind of anatomy, and um, I mean, it, I guess it does. It depends on what kind of work you're going to be doing. I mean, if you're going to be like straight up personal training, which I've never done actually. Um, really? Yeah, I've never like kind of taken someone to the gym and kind of like written a program for them. Mm. I don't do that. I, I kind of more beast people. That's, kind of, <laughs> that's my thing, you know. So you're teaching more kind of classes. Yeah, so I teach classes. I teach like one on one, but again, more like martial arts based. Okay. Um, because I wouldn't consider myself an authority on like, you know, I mean, like if you've got like certain issues with like a scapula, or, like you've got like injuries and stuff like that. Mm. I, I mean, you know, there are there are people much more qualified than me that will deal with that for you, and I, I. I mean, it's not, it's never been something that I've been like very interested in to like kind of go into. Mm. And again, it's so expensive, you know. So all the qualifications to do with that specifically. Yeah, like, because I mean like, for example, like, okay, you'll, you'll get your generic qualification to be a PT. Mm. Then you'll oh. get a qualification to teach a specific type of class, like a kettlebell class. So you'll get a kettlebell qualification. Right. Okay. And then there's like 15 levels of that, you know, so you can become like a master kettlebell instructor, you know, and uh, you can spend your life doing that and it looks very good, but Again, like I've met people that can do that, but they can't teach, you know, because right. it's a, it's a very different skill to like, okay, you have the knowledge, great, you can write a great program, but can you get in front of 20 people and get them interested in what you're, what you're selling them, you know? Mm. And um, so that's kind of where I, I didn't necessarily know that I could do that, 
but that's kind of where my first fitness jobs kind of started. So I got my qualification and the first job I applied for was a boxing instructor. Because I was like, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to teach martial arts, boxing, kickboxing. Let's just go straight for that. And I applied for it kind of almost as a joke. I was like, no one's going to believe me. No one's going to hire me. You know, I'm like five, six. I'm like not that big. You know, most of the guys in the industry are tall, handsome and like massive, you know. So I was like, I, I applied for it and um, it was the most ridiculous experience of my life. So, oh, really? They, they, they asked, like, send a picture. Um, so Wait, they asked for a picture of Yeah, you. they asked for a picture. Oh, wow. Uh, so That's going to be discriminatory, like, right there. <laughs> so, obviously, I sent a shirtless picture of myself. Outstanding. Um, as you do. Hot lighting. Yeah, everything. of course, yeah. Definitely from a photo shoot. <laughs> and um, they asked for, like, uh, your best joke and just, like, a general description of yourself. It was an awful application. <laughs> it was terrible. And I mean, it sounds thrilling. Do you want to hear my joke? Okay, yeah, go on. It was really bad. So, go on. I've got to tell it. Got to tell it right as well. So, why do ducks have flat feet? Why? To put out fires. Why do elephants have flat feet? Why? To put out the burning ducks. <laughs> so that, that, that's my, uh, that's my joke. It got me the job. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it worked. Yeah. So I got a phone call. And uh, this guy was like, are you VJ? And I was like, yes. And they were like, uh, got your application. Are you still interested in teaching? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, nothing. And he was like, okay, come to this place. And I was like, okay, cool. So I went to the uh, Battersea Dance Academy. Okay. And um, I met this guy and he was this tall bloke. And he was like, are you VJ? And I was like, yes. And he was like, okay, cool. Um, your class will be here in about 10 minutes. Good luck. And he left. I never saw him again. And, um, <laughs> well, like ever. Ever again. Oh my God. And uh, so I, I was, I've been teaching there, like, uh, to his, his company. Well, not going not gonna to tell you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so they do kind of like social sports stuff. So okay. they kind of, they hire out rooms, they organize everything, and they just send instructors to teach. So I, that kind of became my regular class. And... Um, then every now and then they'd email me join another class I've been working them for about four years so that was my first like proper fitness job so these guys turned up and I taught a boxing class from kind of the best of my ability like no structure given to me nothing and um, proper deep end yeah and then I was doing it ever since and I was like yeah this isn't so bad you know Um, and then I started working for a kickboxing company in the city so I was like you know all you people that said I couldn't do it, I'm literally doing what I want to do. So I was working in the city, I was a sensei, and it was, um, you don't often get like proper kickboxing clubs. Like okay. you'll get kind of boutique gyms where they have like kind of boxing fitness, or you'll get like church halls where they have like a kickboxing class every Sunday or something like that. But like a dedicated gym, they're quite hard to come by. So this was this guy, he had like four or five chains of like these gyms. Each gym, he'd have like three or four instructors, like full-time instructors. Oh, wow. And they'd have classes all day. So I was loving it. I would, I would work from nine till nine to 12-hour shifts, during which time I was either teaching or training. Like, it was full-on. And Brutal. I was, um, the guy who ran it was like a 10-time world champion. He was like crazy, wow. like military-style training. Yeah. And um, it was brutal. I mean, he would just rock up. We wouldn't know he was coming. And he would just scream, we'd all line up, and then three hours he would just beast us. Wow. And then uh, clients would start coming and we'd just have to like literally train, change our tops and then start teaching straight away. So I got shredded as hell <laughs> when I was working there. Like my skin was so thin. Oh my it was God. amazing. <laughs> but um, the kind of the teaching style, I mean, I learned loads when I was there. Like I would have to say like a lot of the way that I teach kickboxing is based on what I was taught there. 
and because um, it was like the perfect balance of like we're gonna get you so fit but this isn't an exercise class this is martial arts still you know okay. so it had that it had that super discipline mm. you know like complete authority like it was amazing like any word I said the immediate response would be oh sensei straight away <laughs> you know like whatever I say and people just get me some hot chocolate literally people just work you know it was amazing it was loads of respect and it was it was a nice area to work in I was working in Baker Street nice. um, so a lot of people a lot of money there mm. I'd walk down the street and these business owners that I'd just been caning earlier they'd walk past me like the sensei you know and I'd be like oh, God, oh that good. feels good <laughs> you know it was really cool um, but like the military style training it's kind of like you can't blanket that you know like if you're teaching people that are a bit nervous or that have never done stuff like this before you will put them off. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're screaming your guts out at them yeah. on their first day and they're the most timid people in the world, they won't come back, you know? Yeah. And the gym was kind of, they were okay with that. They were like, you know, we don't want them here necessarily. We want only this specific These, these people, exactly, yeah. yeah. And for me, that was kind of, it didn't, it didn't kind of sit with me. Right. You know, because I mean, it's for everybody, right? You know? Yeah. You don't you have to. be more inclusive. Yeah, you don't have to be, I mean like, cause I wouldn't consider myself up until that point to be like a very loud person a very boisterous person mm. I was pretty shy myself you know and um I wouldn't call you shy I'd call you reserved reserved fair enough is good yeah. I mean if you knew me kind of before the age of about 19 you, mm. you would get like two words out of me a day I was pretty like really yeah I was really quiet uh, really reserved and um I did start I think martial arts was a big thing that kind of opened me up because when you're teaching people you kind of you kind of get excited about it because it's something you're, you're so interested in. Yeah, I mean, I had the exact same thing with fencing because mm. I think it was third year, I became a fencing instructor, mm. uh, like a level one qualification. And I would, t- I would help teach a lot of the <clears throat> freshers coming in. Mm. And that feeling of like, yeah, I just taught that person that thing they're doing right yeah. now. Like, that's a, that is a great feeling. It is awesome. And I feel like the more you teach, like, I mean, for me, martial arts has always been a personal thing for myself. Like, I just want to do it because I love it. And I mean, like, when I started off doing martial arts, I was literally on my own. I was in my bedroom, flailing around, kind of making stuff up. And I had a name for it. It was Vijitsu. <laughs> that, that was my martial art. So I'd literally just be doing any, like, in the mirror, it's like this kind of, like, the person who made martial arts had to learn it from somewhere, right? I mean, he yeah. just, he made it up and now everyone does it. So I was like, cool, do my own thing. It's fine. Helps when you're broke to kind of have the <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> because my, my parents were never kind of geared towards kind of exercise kind of stuff, mm. you know? And I was really small and like, you, I mean, if if I was like, you know, oh, I want to go do kickboxing, they'd be like, yeah, do you want to die? Like, you know, like, have you seen yourself? <laughs> you know, so I mean, the idea- but look at you now. Well, I'm still, you know. <laughs> I mean, You're broad now. I'm all right, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the, if if you told me ten years ago that you know you're going to be like considered to be like a terrifying martial arts instructor, I'd laugh at you. You know, the idea it just wouldn't cross my mind. You know, and um, I mean, so I used to do all this stuff by myself, kind of make up stuff, and I used to think I looked really cool, which I definitely didn't. But eventually, I started to kind of become okay. And I had friends that did karate, taekwondo, people that did boxing. So we used to go to the park and just beat each other up. And I remember like Chris, for example. Yeah. Man, that guy had some long legs. He did. Jesus. Yeah, he, he, he once, uh, he's a very tall guy. And uh, I was holding the pads for him once and uh, oh, yeah. he kicked it a bit too high and I punched myself in the nose and def- <laughs> definitely, definitely broke it. But, oh my God. Like, uh, but by that time I'd broken it so many times. It was like another day of the weekend is fine. Just like, uh, yeah. whatever. It's all right. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of, uh, I, I left that place, the, the kind of kickboxing place, and um, well, you how know, long were you there for? I was there for about six months. Okay. And uh, I kind of, I, I took what I learned from there, and I made Zakura. So I was like, you know, this is this is martial arts for everybody, and you know, I can definitely convey this to people. I, I, I was always kind of more interested in teaching one on one because I feel like you can do so much more, like mm. so much quicker. And um, what I found was that when you teach people, you learn so much. Yeah, you know, I agree completely. It's 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 like, you know, I can do something, and I don't necessarily know why I can do it or how I learned to do it. And when you've got to explain that to somebody, and then they ask you like, "Why do you do that?" And you're like, "Why do I do that?" Yeah, you know, and you really think about it, and you're like, "That's why I do it. I don't know why I do, it. but when you explain it to someone else." And they're like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, fine. And you're like, yeah, it does make sense. <laughs> you know? And you're like, then you start thinking about it a bit more and then you kind of improve yourself because you're like, you didn't even realize why you were doing something and then you can make it better. You know? And uh, also, you know, you go to kickboxing classes and stuff like that. You'll be doing the same thing for weeks and weeks and weeks. When I teach people, they're doing spinning kicks like the second day they're training with me. Because like, if you can Amazing. do it, then do it. Like, you know, yeah. it's fun. I mean, <laughs> that, that's the fun of it, right? Just like kind of going for it. Because I remember that I went... I, f- I think I managed to talk my parents into a karate class when I was like eight years old. As in, you took them or you No, I, I, I talked them into letting me go. Okay. And um, literally, I think I was there, I went twice. I got the uniform, of course, but then I went twice. So literally, like, the, the first day I was there, we were just kind of jumping up and down on the spot for the whole, for whole, whole class. And I was like, this is boring, you know? Mm. And then the second class, um, we were training with, like, the older guys who actually were, like, being taught stuff. And we just got our asses kicked. And I was like, yeah, this is not fun. Mm-hmm. You know, no, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. But then I kind of moved into like actual, the fitness industry, I'd say. Mm. Um, so I started working for a company called Movers and Shapers that doesn't exist anymore because they've been bought out. Was that what happened? Yeah. So they got taken over by a leisure center chain. Oh. Okay. Who have no idea how to run uh, boutique studios. And now they Yeah, terrible. So I was there for about three years. And um, it was a completely different environment. Like how so? I mean, you're going from having supreme authority and people just listening when you tell them to do stuff to Bella mums, who you know, like uh, I'm just finishing this text. One second, it's cool, you know. And you can't hit him, you know. <laughs> you know, I used to be able to hit people, you know. Now I can't. So it was it was a massive shock for me. Like yeah. I was like, oh my god, you guys don't actually want to train, you know. It's a very very different crowd. <laughs> it's really different. So you know, y- you kind of have to. Um, it kind of it brought out my massively sarcastic side, <laughs> um, because I just realised. I mean, you know, I can't. I can scream my guts out all day. They're just gonna like gonna giggle and laugh at me. So uh, I was like, oh god, this is a bit humbling, isn't it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and um, my authority means nothing it, now. It, it literally, like, oh god, okay, fair enough. They're gonna do this at their own pace, and you kind of learn to work with it. So you, you kind of um, again, I learned so much because I was teaching like a hundred different types of classes. I was doing my like, circuit classes, TRX classes, kettlebell classes. I was teaching spin all this kind of stuff and I completely moved away from kind of the more the martial arts based stuff so I kind of got really into like more like fitness like proper fitness so loads of burpees and all that kind of stuff oh, and okay. um, would you believe it until that point I'd never, never told anyone to do a burpee before really? yeah even as a punishment? yeah and now I mean I don't think I have a workout that doesn't include one you know <laughs> they're annoyingly good for you they are they're good they yeah. they're amazing I love burpees as someone who's like tried to integrate them into a fitness regime, it's just so hard. Doing doing burpees by yourself is 
possibly the best test of your mental endurance. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> wow. That and having colitis. Yes, definitely. So that was the other thing I wanted to talk about. So When I got sick. <laughs> yeah, because um, a lot of people watching this probably won't know, but we both have the same condition. Um, it's a bowel condition called ulcerative colitis. Now, the way I explain it is I say to people that it's when your large intestine isn't recognized as part of your body, so mm-hmm. your immune system attacks it. Yeah. Um, like is, how, do you, how do you explain it? I mean, generally, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of tell people that basically my immune system thinks there's something in me that shouldn't be there. Yeah. And it's trying to destroy it because my immune system is so badass. It's got nothing else to do, <laughs> you know, so it's going to try and put a hole in me. And uh, yeah. basically, yeah. I mean, um, so it was it was while I was working at Moves and Shapers, basically. I um, okay. So you've had it, how long have you had it? Like three I've, years? It's been three years, yeah. Wow. Three years, yeah. So basically, I went off and got married. What a mistake. Terrible. <laughs> so, uh, oh God, going to watch this and yeah, hate me. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> so I mean, uh, so I spent a year kind of planning this wedding. My, my wife, uh, she was from Bombay. So it was kind of long distance planning for a destination wedding. There's a hell of a lot of stress. Yeah. And um, I was also working crazy beforehand to try to save up as much as I could. Mm. And I started noticing kind of like bleeding when I went to the bathroom and things like that. Yeah. You know, just normal stuff, you know. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. this is fine. You know, it's all good. I mean... Uh, yeah, I w- it's always super normal. We're yeah. just like, wow, I've been shitting blood for a while Definitely. now. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I, I was, um, I think... I, I, I kind of put it off for a while, like a really long time. I was like, I yeah. really can't deal with this right now. I remember talking to you about <laughs> this. You're like, yeah, so there was like a good year yeah. where I had all the symptoms, I didn't do anything. I'm just mm. like, what? Yeah. So, I mean, I was bleeding <clears throat> probably about six months before my wedding. Oh, I was I was getting like a little bit of blood and stuff like that. But it wasn't bothering me too much. I mean, uh, it was kind of here and there. My fitness was still great. We saw. We uh, did you have a lot of pain? No, so I had no pain. So that's um, weird. Yeah, I had no pain. I had no. It's really strange. Yeah, I had mm. no pain, and um, I was able to do everything. Still, I wasn't fatigued or anything. I was working. So I used to wake up at five a.m. for work, and kind of my last client would be around ten o'clock in the in the evening. So I'd be working like really long days, and um, seven days a week, just kind of going for it, and. Went off, got married. While I was there getting married, I was perfect. Really? Like, nothing happened to me. Like, uh, Which is weird because I was in India, right? So yeah, oh like, my God. If you get colitis in India, <laughs> yeah. like, you're going to die. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so I was fine. I didn't bleed while I was there. And I think I was just having so much fun, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, that's what you want for your wedding. Yeah, exactly. I, um, I think, like, you know, whoever's watching over me was like, I'll give you these three days. Yeah. You know? Then you I'm, get three days, no then more. I'm, screw you up. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I came back. Um, straight back into work um, the, the missus obviously she was waiting on her visa and everything so she was kind of having to travel back and forth for like the visa applications and stuff like that and I was working my buns off and I was starting to bleed quite a lot and what happened was actually my dad uh, started to get quite sick oh, really? and um, <clears throat> he was having some issues with his liver with his kidneys, pancreas, loads of things and he was starting to get blood and stuff like that as well and they were like kind of throwing around like the cancer word and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I should probably get this checked out, you know. So I um, 
I, I kind of came out and told him. I was like, so, by the way, this has been happening to me as well. Lol, high five. Okay. <laughs> and, um, so by that time, it had yeah. been six months? It had been about a year since I first started getting symptoms. Jesus. And um, it still wasn't bothering me, but I was bleeding quite a lot now. Yeah. Surely um, by that time, you're get, at least getting fatigued. Probably. But I mean, it's, it's again, like, because you, you're working so much, you're not sure why, you know? Right. You're like, it must also, be because the hours... With such a physical job, yeah. you'd think it'd just be a normal part of it. Exactly. So, and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm caffeine-free as well, so I don't know what it feels like to have energy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I, I uh, went to the, the, the GP, and they, they told me that I've got... Um, what the hell do they call it? Um, there is a word for this. <laughs> Piles. That's what they thought I had. Okay. So they thought I had piles, <coughs> which I didn't. Yeah. Evidently, but um, you know, bleeding, bleeding. In generally healthy person, bleeding fine. It's piles. Cool. So yeah. I had um, my first uh, exam. Yeah, those are fun. Which is, uh, I think, you know, when you become a man, I think you, know, <laughs> you, you find out what you're made of when you know a doctor puts on a rubber glove and you know what's happening next. Yeah. You know. Oh, oh it's, my god. It's horror movie territory. You know what the worst <laughs> is. Like, with if you're in hospital or something, and it's a junior doctor and it's a girl and they're really fit, yeah, you're just like, oh god, you're about. I to mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, don't, I, I have no problem with that. I'm married happily. I don't know what you're talking about. No, it's just <laughs> embarrassing for me because I'm just like, oh god, I can look you in the I'm, eye I'm, after I'm this. Obviously, it's terrible. But <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So I mean, it was in a GP office, so it wasn't even like, like I've had this before. Well, since I've had it in hospitals and it's been very well done. I've had like a full on like gown and it's all quite professional. This was literally like they, 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 they I had a, a nurse who told me to strip down and they covered me with about three paper towels. Oh, yeah, across the. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, is that all I'm getting? God, <laughs> you know? And then, yeah, he literally just attacked me. <laughs> didn't, didn't say two words to me, just straight in. Smashed there. me and then um, <laughs> he was like, uh, He's gonna send me um, to the hospital for a colonoscopy. So this escalated quickly. You, know, you, just, you just enjoy putting things up there, don't you? Um, so I went to the hospital. I had uh, my first camera exam. Outstanding. Which was again a great experience. I was oh, like, yeah. my god, you know, I'm just living it up here. <laughs> and um, I got a piece of paper afterwards, and they were like uh, ulcerative colitis, and I was like, what the hell does that mean? They were like, oh, you know, it's a thing. I was like, oh, great. Cool. Thanks. No more information. Yeah, they were like, you know, oh, your consultation, you'll get a consultation with your GP, they'll explain it to you. And I was like, okay. Google! Oh, <laughs> you know, what is this? I was like, that's oh, God, what is this thing that's happening? I was like, I haven't got any of these symptoms. This is not happening to me. No. Ni, so ni, 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 ni. Initial denial. <clears throat> it's like, God, no. Like, you know, I'm fit, I'm healthy, I eat well. You know, physical job. You know, like don't don't drink. literally don't drink, don't smoke. I'm vegetarian. You know, I do most of the things that they immediately tell you to stop. You know, when you're when you have this disease, you know. Yeah. And um, they put me on a drug called Ascol. Okay. So my mum has Crohn's, hmm. <clears throat> which she's managing quite well. So for people who don't know, Crohn's is sort of the escalated version of colitis, where. Ulcerative colitis affects your large intestine. Crohn's affects your whole digestive system from like the neck down. Yeah, you basically. can't. You can't basically. They can't pinpoint where it will be. Yeah, which is why. So obviously, you've had um, a full operation done. Yeah. So I've had colitis since I was thirteen, fourteen, mm-hmm. um, and mine was super aggressive. Actually, quite quickly. Mm. Um, and back then, they 
like infusions for example just didn't exist mm. that was not a thing azathioprine as a drug had only just come out as far as I knew yeah and so yeah mine became very aggressive and I had surgery to have my large intestine <clears throat> removed uh, in year 10 so it was like 15 mm. I want to say um, and yeah so I've had this for like almost 15 years oh my god I'm yeah. so old now it's a, it's a long time Jesus and it's, it's one of those things I mean like you're never kind of okay after that are you I mean I- this is one thing I found that's really hard to express to people mm. because it's, it's like that Instagram post I did the other day. <clears throat> Most people's perception of illness is very finite yeah. because everyone has had to deal with like a cold or a broken leg or something. Mm. And you go from I'm fine to there's something wrong to I'm fine again. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas with people with chronic conditions, it's and how well managed is yeah, this? Exactly, like, yeah. There are good days and bad. Sometimes there are good hours and bad hours. Yeah. And that's a very difficult thing. I mean, this happened the other day. We were, we were at that party and we, we said to someone, uh, you know, that you, you miss exercising. Yeah. And she said, why don't you exercise? And she's like, you're like, I'm sick. And she's like, so, you know, <laughs> you can still exercise. We were like, we kind of can't. Yeah. She's like, well, you'll get better. Well, no, I won't actually. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like full stop. This yeah, is just this kind is, of my life now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Um, I was thinking about this actually. Um, after you send that post it's it's you know obviously it's something that's not necessarily very visual mm. and uh, <clears throat> a lot of people that kind of have illnesses like this they do have days where they can do a lot of things and the thing is that you know you, what I found when I when I started to really get sick um, you know like I, I, I got given this medication and it kind of completely destro- destroyed me so I took this acetyl and it just dropped me and then I started getting like wow. crazy symptoms Jeez. I was in tons of pain I lost about 15 kilos and um, it was awful and uh, <clears throat> it eventually led to me being like hospitalized for a bit as well and um, it's it's one of those things that like you you have to start becoming very selfish to get through it yeah you know and um, it's 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 a very difficult thing to kind of deal with like if you're someone that's used to kind of doing things for themselves you know simple things like doing the dishes or just kind of like small chores you know like you have those moments where you're like, I'm sitting here. If I move, I'm going to start hurting, you know? So literally it's just like, someone's like, oh, can you pass me that thing? You're like, no. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not worth it to me, you know? Like, I'm, I'm comfortable. I don't know when I'm going to be again. Screw you. I'm not moving, <laughs> you know? And um, it's like, but then on the flip side, when you feel okay, you want to do as much as you can. Yeah. So people are like, oh, I thought you were sick. You're like, well, I definitely am. But right this second, I feel okay. And I'm going to make the bloody most of it, you know? Yeah. You know? And then they start thinking, oh, you know, when it suits you, you feel sick. You know, you're just trying to get out of stuff. Blah, blah, blah. And it's That's like... That's the most <coughs> frustrating thing It's ever. terrible, yeah. I mean, and you feel bad. And obviously, you're kind of thankful that, fine, you, you don't understand this because it's not happening to you. Thank God for that. However, this is sucking. And I'm not enjoying any of this, you know? Yeah. And, um... It's it's really difficult. I mean, uh, it's it's one of those things like you know, it's like walking around with a gunshot wound. You know, if you could see it as that, people would be like, "Oh shit, you okay? Do you want to sit down?" You know, but you feel like that, but there's nothing, nothing that anyone can see. You know, this is why, like, yeah, it's one of those diseases that's called an invisible illness. Like you can outwardly, I get this a lot. Like I'll say, "Oh yeah, I'm really ill at the moment." 
Oh, but you look okay. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck you. Well, I'll be like, what? If you get a camera really quick, I'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) But I mean, it's like, I mean, I think it's it's, it's a problem that's kind of being addressed a lot recently. I mean, like even with like mental illness, Mm. like, you know, a lot of people that suffer depression or different mental illnesses, like you can't see it always, you know? And it's, it's, you know, it's on par with that. You have to kind of realize that a lot of people are going through a lot of different things. And you don't necessarily, you don't know what it is, you know, you can have people that are in like deep depression that are still smiling and laughing, you know, you can have people that are like, you know, in tons of pain that are still kind of getting up and doing stuff, you know, when they can. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that like, this is one thing I've honestly never understood about you. Mm. How the hell you have such a physical job and still like have this illness? I mean, at the moment you're doing very well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Especially since you started the infusions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, just how have you done it? I mean, so for me, it was uh, it was it was kind of combination of things. So obviously, I just got married, and then I just got diagnosed. So for me, I felt really. How long was that gap? uh, Probably about three or four months. Okay. So I felt really guilty because, you know, this, this lovely woman has just decided to spend her life with this uh, charming, fit guy <laughs> who is now completely useless, you know? And um, it's a really hard thing for you to admit as well. And it's not the most dignified disease to have. No. So I think it was a, it was a, a while before I was able to actually openly talk to her about it. In fact, probably quite recently. I was going to say, know? like, because we met up again sort of like this time last year mm. and... As far as I know, I think that's the first time you really opened up to something. Yeah, definitely. Because it's just, it's not something you can easily talk about, you know. I mean, it's very (laughs) difficult, especially for like close friends and family to say, yeah, by the way, I've got this condition that means sometimes I just shit blood all the time. Yeah. You know, like when I go to the bathroom, it looks like someone was murdered with a shotgun. Literally. (laughs) By the way, can I use your restroom? (laughs) No? Okay. No, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) You know? I mean, uh, your priorities change massively. Yeah. Like, okay, God. Like, when I was... I mean, I had two years before my medication got sorted out properly mm. where I was just screwed up. Yeah. And it was... Um, again, so I was working still. And, I don't um, know how. Yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was a literal case of, I mean, I have to. She can't work. And I've kind of told everyone that this is what I want to do. And the last thing I want to hear is if you had an office job, you'd be more comfortable. Mm. It's like, no. No. Yeah. And then also, they, they, you know, you get told this has happened because of your job. You know, because you work out too much, because you exercise too much, because you're in such good shape, you're sick. No. It's not how it works. <laughs> they don't know why it happens. Yeah. You just, you know. I think that's another thing that's very difficult to express to people. Yeah. Like, with chronic conditions, especially like this, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no cause. There's no, like, there's no like path that this will lead to a solution literally there's like I just have to deal with what's happening to me I mean the best the best qualified people that you go and see will will tell you okay we'll try this maybe it'll work oh my god yes and you're like great yeah I'll take that you know I mean after a while you're like yeah maybe sounds great I'll take maybe the worst is when they give you options yeah they're just like well we could do this or this I'm like this is your job you're a doctor (laughs) you tell me like that's not how this relationship works <laughs> literally I mean um, my doctors used to always uh, always laugh because I was so um, I was just very accepting of my condition so you know whenever I came in I'd be like oh no yeah I'm fine you know <laughs> they'd be like you know we're sorry it's taking so I'd be like oh no don't worry it's okay you know 
I understand it's really difficult for you guys and they'd be like you're really like okay about this you know like most of our patients come in screaming like fix me <laughs> you know and um, like you said I mean there's no reason for it to happen and it's it's hard to kind of convey that to people because mm. everyone has has advice for you you know? Oh my god Like you know It's because you did this Or it's because you're not doing this you Just know? become a vegan Yeah Just do this Just cut this from your diet Start eating this Have turmeric You know Oh My god dad actually it. did that Yeah He's giving me these, <laughs> these turmeric tablets He's like Oh these will help it's Yeah like, No one knows if these will help Yeah I mean when, when I started Getting sick I was open to anything I was like yeah. You know Give me whatever you want I'll try it Whatever You know yeah. But I mean, after a while, you kind of you start understanding your body, and you're like, actually, what I need right now is for everybody in the room to shut up and leave me alone for about an hour, and I'll feel better, hundred yeah. percent, you know, because it is definitely triggered a lot by stress. I found, yeah, and I you agree. know, like um, when I would be quite symptomatic, you know, you'd have people like talking at you and stuff like that, and you just you could feel the cramps, just you know, and you're just like, just stop. Just Stop talking to me. I can't deal with Stop this right me. now. And yeah. obviously, when you're newly married and you're bickering like kids, you know, mm. it's not it's not conducive to having a, a healthy relationship. Obviously, you know. I was gonna say, how long did it take you to like just even say that I was early? sick? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't tell her for ages. So I told my parents first. I started yeah. kind of getting uh, consultations and seeing people for things. And she's. I mean, she started to know that something's wrong with me mm-hmm. because I just was kind of losing weight. I was kind of tired. I was really moody. Yeah. And uh, I mean, eventually, like, kind of, it was told to her generally that, you know, VJ is quite sick. Um, but not, not the specifics. Okay. I mean, I think until very recently. Mm. She's not known specifically what's wrong with me. And um, that's, that's largely my, my bad. Because yeah. I just, I wasn't, you know, as, as like a, as like kind of in my industry, also like, you know, trying to be like a macho husband, you know, yeah. it's like, you don't want to tell people that you're like, this is what you're going through mm. because they look at you differently. When, when people think yeah. you're sick, they look at you differently. And um, then the worst thing is when you've told someone that you're sick and then you expect a little bit of sympathy and you don't get it. And then you start getting irritated because of that as well. Mm. It's like, it was kind of better when you just didn't know, you know, and I could just yeah. be like, well, they don't know, you know, but when you know, and you're still a jackass, it's like, well, that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's this really weird catch twenty two because on the one hand, like, whenever I tell people, I kind of make a little bit of a joke of it because I try and put people in sort of this relaxed position where they they can ask questions. I mean, you're talking about your bowel movements. I mean, they you yeah, kind of got to exactly. make you got to make them comfortable, but <laughs> yeah. ease them in. So, like, when I explain it, I'm usually like, "Oh yeah, I, I don't have a large intestine. I had it removed when I was a kid." Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons I've got such a skinny waist. Yeah. That, you know, narrow Asian hips. Yeah. Headed from my mum's side. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it's kind of like a joke. But on the one on the one hand, that's good because it, you know, it normalizes it. Mm. But on the other hand, it kind of trivializes it a little bit. And sometimes yeah. people have just been like, oh, you that's how you get ill? Yeah. And, like, they won't quite compute that, like, actually, this is a serious illness. And sometimes I'm just, just incapable of doing anything. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um, it is debilitating. Like it's ridiculous. Like, mm. I mean, uh, I, I I think of myself as having someone that's got a high pain threshold. But I mean, this is this has brought me to tears before. You know, I mean, it's like you're just curled up in a ball, just like kind of screaming into your pillow sometimes. You know, yeah. and it's just like it's 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 a different thing to like most illnesses or most injuries because it doesn't stop. 
you know like yeah. you can have bouts of pain that last for days and it's um you know you, you just like you feel like it's going to go on forever and you start getting like like horrible thoughts because you've been told by your doctors this is not going anywhere you know you have this forever this is this is it you know and you're like you know i was diagnosed at like 25 and i was like shit that's it you know like i can't do anything i wanted to do you know how am i going to pursue all these dreams that i had you know I used to compete, I used to do all these kind of things, and I was like, God, if someone pokes me in the stomach, I'm going to die, <laughs> you know? So it's it's terrifying. But then, um, like, with work and stuff like that, I, I kind of just pushed through it. I would just kind of be, like, short bursts, you know? Mm. So I'll go, I'll work, and it would literally be, like, I would do it class to class. Like, thank God, like, the place I was teaching, our classes were only half an hour. So I would Ooh. just, I would beast for half an hour. Yeah, and as I'm sure you know, the more active you are, the worse it gets. It, it gets worse. So it's like it's like a little flip side. Like if I'm exercising myself, I'm I can be okay for the duration that I'm working out until I stop, because yeah. I feel like obviously when you, when you're when you're working out, everything else kind of shuts down. You it's know, that it kind of it, it kind of turns off your digestive system, switches off for a bit, yeah. and you know your your muscles and your your brain, your heart's kind of more concerned with everything else. So it's cool. You're good for a bit. And then it kind of crashes afterwards. But when I was teaching... It hard. It does, it crashes very hard. But um, when I was teaching, I would literally be... It would always happen. I'd be teaching. And I'd, you know, I'd be enjoying it. Kind of getting into it. And I'd be like, oh, I'm feeling right. I'm feeling okay, you know. Don't, jumping around a little bit. Oh, no. It's... Oh, God. And you, you feel it. You just yeah. feel it start just twisting yeah. inside. And you're just like, you know, you're teaching a class. So you've got like 20 people in front of you. And you're just deep breathing in your head just like, just like hold on yourself. hold on yourself. hold on hold on oh my god oh my god and I mean I don't know this is a very important thing about colitis you cannot pass gas you cannot you cannot no you cannot pass gas and all you bastards out there don't take that shit for granted yeah oh my because yeah. you don't know what it feels like I mean <laughs> literally there's some of you right now watching this and you're, you're going for it right now you know and we, you can't do that you know so no. literally you have that feeling you've got the pressure but you know it's not going to be what you think it is. You know, if you if you let that slip, that's game over. That's game over. Ridiculously, because the big thing about colitis is, so obviously your large intestine is very important for absorbing water, which you cannot do if you have colitis, because basically your entire intestine is trashed. Yeah. So whatever kind of goes through it, just goes straight through it. Yeah. Just, you know, do not pass go, just straight through yeah. it. And it's the thing as well, your small intestine, like I always say to people, like, your small intestine just moves a lot faster, even though it's a lot longer. Yeah. So what takes a normal person 24 hours to digest will take me up three. Yeah. Kind of thing. Literally. I mean, like for me, like when I was sick, I would eat maybe three bites of something straight to the bathroom. Yeah. And um, things were like with liquids and stuff like that. Like if I drink water, for example, mm. I mean, I think when I was really sick, I stopped having to pee because yeah. it wouldn't come out the right way, you know? Yeah. And so again, when you know you, your 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 butt is designed to hold solid waste, you know. So if you yeah. need to go bathroom really bad, you can hold that in. It's but not designed for the it's, brown it's rain. It's not freaking <laughs> like floodgates, you know. Yeah. So when when you're, you're you're teaching, you're moving around, and you've got to make that dash, you know. You finish the class as quick as you can, and you just got to peg it, you know. And it's um, you get used to it. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is the case. You just it's get used like, to it. You just, you know? It's like this thing that um, Hank Green, Hank Green said. said yeah. yeah. It's like sometimes becoming the new, the new normal is, okay, I'm going to have to pack some more boxes today. Yeah, literally. 
I mean, I, I remember, like, I got through about a year before that happened to me. Like, I was always making it. And then one day I didn't. And I was like... It's oh, so depressing. Man. It's like, and it's like, you know what? I don't even feel that. It's mostly just blood. It's fine. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> and, you know, it's all good. And, um, you know, the first time it happens, you're like, well, okay, that happened. You know, Shit. no one really knows. It's all good. And then it happens again and again. You're like, well, I guess that's just going to be a new thing now. All right. You're like, great. But see, like when I was <laughs> super ill like this, and you know you're shitting blood every day it that happened to me when i was in sort of like year 10 and i went to i went to boarding school Mm. and boarding schools tend to be very sporty they also happen to be very insular environments because you live in a school it's in the countryside you can't go anywhere and because it's so insular it can be very both competitive and uh, you can't admit weakness of course yeah so I actually, funnily enough, I met up with a couple of guys uh, from boarding school like quite recently, and one of the, I didn't tell anyone while I was at school. No one. And one of the guys I met up with, um, Phil, if he's watching this, he was like, oh, I thought you just had really bad food poisoning the whole time. <laughs> and it's one of those things that you don't, no one around you realizes that you can hide it that well. And this was the period of time where like, I was very worried about shooting myself, like, at... Publicly. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, I remember we had... Uh, I was in the army cadets mm. in year 10, and we did... It was like... I can't remember what it was called. It was like an off-site thing. So it was like we went to an actual military base. Okay, we yeah. Running around, you know, pretending to be, like, little soldiers, and it was so much fun. I was a Green Beret. I very did nice. the same thing, yeah. Very <laughs> nice. And so, like, yeah, we're running around, we're having a great time, and... I was so ill, like so ill. Mm. I, like at one point, I'm just sitting in the loo. It must have been what two in the morning. I think someone else walked in, and I was making a lot of noise. And yeah, like, there's just, there's just <laughs> blood everywhere. And like someone walked in, they were like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah uh, army food doesn't agree with me." Yeah. And so like that was just—it <laughs> was an amazing but horrible experience because yeah. if you're if you're stuck doing those kinds of activities, there's literally no escape. There is not, yeah. I mean, it literally becomes, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of, I mean, in a way, I mean, I'm not glad it happened. But again, like, you have to just kind of learn what you can from it. And I think definitely it made me a hell of a lot more confident. Yeah. And it also, it kind of trivialized a lot of other problems, you know? Because yeah. you don't worry about mundane shit no, when you all. have to worry about shit. Like, yeah. you know, we have to worry about almost staying alive. Yeah, literally. I mean, when it when when you're like, you're you're kind of literally fighting through your days, you yeah. know, um, and just basic stuff becomes like an achievement. You know, like it's it's like literally, like, you know, you, you need you like, you know, okay, I made it to the bathroom. Fuck yeah! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think one of the big things that I find to be quite a big test is if. If I'm going through a bout of like a bad patch, if I can clean the flat, like that's a big thing. Yeah, that's a really big thing. Actually, my mum's caught on to the fact that um, the more messy my flat is, like the more ill I am. The more ill you are, basically. Yeah. I mean, um, this is the thing, though. I mean, it's literally even when you're good, you're not good. You never, you're You're never never one hundred percent. You're never one hundred percent. It's always there in the back of your head, you know. 
and you kind of walk around with this kind of invisible stamp on your forehead that I'm sick, you know. Yeah. And you, you, when you look in the mirror, you see it, you know, like because you know people people start saying, "Oh, you you look you look really good today," and you're like, you know, thanks. And yeah, you probably do, but it's only because of how bad you looked before, you know. Yeah. Like um, I, I I look back at like my birthday photos from last year. And I'm gaunt completely, you know, like, and I thought I looked all right then, but like, you know, my face is like that thin and, you know, my, my clothes are hanging off me and it's just like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's scary, you know, cause yeah. it can just flip straight back, you yeah. know, like you, you're on meds that are working right now, you know, if they are, and it's literally, you know, the doctors, they don't, they don't hesitate to tell you as well that it might not keep working. And we might just take you off it anyway, you know, just because it's expensive. <laughs> you know? Especially in your case. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've got to prove that it's, uh, you need it, you know. They'll, they'll just, I mean, obviously there's, there's a crap ton of benefits to free healthcare. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I was, I've thought about this a lot, actually. Like, genuinely, if I were American, I would either... Die. I'd either be dead or my family would be bankrupt. Yeah. Because... The medicines are so expensive. Yeah, the medicines are expensive. Hospital stays are expensive. If... And I would, with a chronic condition, be uninsurable. Yeah. Like, without Obamacare, I would have died yeah. in the US. I mean, uh, when you showed me that video from Hank Green, yeah. I mean, he, he was taking azathioprine. Yeah, and uh, he was saying it's something like three hundred pounds a month or something like that. Three hundred dollars a month. That much? Something like that. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, uh, one of the medications I was taking—they uh, have fantastic names. So it was mm-hmm. Galumab was the one I was taking. So it was a—it uh, was an infusion that you give yourself. So it was an injection that I had to give myself. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> I, used, I used to uh, try and freak out my missus as much as I can. Like, it didn't hurt at all. <laughs> but I just feel like, like oh. <laughs> but um, no, it's fine. Uh, it didn't work though. But um, it was, uh, so I was taking that and at one point, um, you know, I mean, as you do, your parents try and do as much as they can for you, you know, because they kind of freak out seeing you suffering and they just, they want to feel proactive, you know. So obviously, if you're not getting better, it's the bloody NHS, they're not giving you the right medicine. (laughs) So I went and saw a private um, consultation and um, they basically said the same thing, you know, but they were saying like, you know, if you want, we can give you this medication privately. And it was something like 10 grand a year or something like that. And I was like, bloody hell, you know, I'm all right. <laughs> you know, I'll just be sick. It's all good. But um, it's really expensive stuff. So, I mean, you kind of, you do appreciate it that like, okay, you know, you guys are, I mean, when I, I go for my, so I now am managed by infusions. Mm. So uh, I go every six to eight weeks and they plug me in, drug me for an hour and then I'm off and I'm good. And uh, you get people that are there at the infusions and they're just complaining to the nurses who obviously have nothing to do with anything, you know? And it's like, you know, be bloody thankful, you know? You've got a bed and they're they're trying, you know? And the the, the sad thing is that there's just not that much known about this, you know? I mean, as someone who's been, like, in, in the system, so to speak, since arguably, what, 2004, 2005? I've seen what's been happening in the NHS yeah. like, the whole time and yeah things are worse now full yeah. stop like there are less nurses Definitely. there are you know worse conditions for nurses for staff but they're all amazing of course yeah they, they, like, they work their ass off yeah doctors they, and nurses are 
just phenomenal people and the things they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis astound me it is is crazy like especially like having spent so much time on a bowel ward like i was in uh, st mark's hospital yeah. in frederick salmon and like those people are all absolutely amazing but sort of going back to parents trying to be proactive mm. it's so diff it, it is so difficult especially you like when you've got a child and they've got this kind of disease and there's nothing you can do yeah. and i can't decide whether it's better or worse to have a lot of knowledge about it because mm. my dad's a pharmacologist okay so as soon as i like got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis he was like oh shit okay i get it i understand my mum has a very different background she's in the beauty industry mm-hmm. um she knows a lot about like anatomy and physiology but more to do with like the skin and muscles so it's not quite her field and so she doesn't quite get it in the same way my dad does and i can't decide whether that's a good or bad thing because it is is i completely understand yeah yeah and i think with these chronic illnesses as well at least i get a lot of guilt yeah like i know my dad retired early because i was ill yeah like he was working in india um and he retired when he was 48 just as I was getting really bad mm. and so he came back and then like I feel guilty for that like full stop yeah and there's like nothing I can do about that and on top of that like sometimes they do do funny things like when I was at uni all of my friends would be like Alex what the fuck why do you have a freezer just full of meat in your room <laughs> and it was because like because my mum has seen me at my worst yeah she when i went to uni her big thing was like oh god he's at uni i can't really look after yeah, him yeah he's not there and so jesus christ <laughs> wow um so yeah my mum's big thing was like oh he's at uni i'm not there to look after him how do i look after him so she just filled a freezer full of meat provisions so she, yeah just so she would know that i would be okay for food yeah and that was her way of like, looking after me um, and my dad always comes to all the like doctors, doctors consultations, all this kind of thing. Yeah, but it's I, in some ways it's harder being around someone I think who's got the condition because yeah, it's complete powerlessness. Mm. Like at least if I'm going through my day and I'm feeling ill, like I'm brute forcing my way through it. Yeah, you know what you need to do to kind of exactly. soldier through. Yeah, like I can soldier through. But look, them looking on, there's nothing. They can yeah, because I mean, when you're looking at someone that's kind of dealing with it, you just wanna you wanna try and help them, but you can't. You know, yeah. I mean, it's completely the same. Like, as you said, like having two parents with two different perspectives on it. Like, my mom had Crohn's, so she she kind of has an understanding of like what it feels like, um, to a degree, and you know, used she's used to going to the hospital and kind of all that kind of stuff. And uh, again, for my dad, it's quite alien. But I mean, again, he's recently been having lots of problems himself. Mm. So it kind of, uh, it, it was this like kind of sequence where like kind of everyone was kind of getting sick and having to like hang out in the hospital, which is why for a long time I didn't want to get into it, you know? So then when I kind of put up my hand, I was like, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm pretty sick too. Shit. Like, <laughs> don't want to kick, take your thunder, guys, but you know, I'm bleeding too, <laughs> you know? God. And um, it's, it's really difficult for them. I mean, I, I definitely wasn't, a complete ass for a lot of the time that I was sick because really? it's just um, you know I think definitely like a lot of the drugs and just a lot of the pain it just kind of 
you lose that that little bit of patience that you have you know because you're just like you know you're, you're suffering like you've never suffered before you're constantly thinking why me why me what the hell did I do feeling yeah. sorry for yourself and um, you know people just piss you off when you're sick you yeah. know they, whether they like to or not you know they do because again it's, it's the same kind of stuff of you know try this or my friend does this come and talk to her and it's just like it's can, the advice yeah it's that just like me. it's like can you just not Please, just just, can you not? Just like literally, (coughs) I've had so many, so many people say you should become a vegetarian, or oh, have you tried being vegan? I've done it. Doesn't work. (laughs) It really doesn't help. And it's so hard to like (laughs) not sit down and just shout at these people. Like, if it fucking worked, we'd all do it. Yeah, literally, you just have to smile and nod. Like, oh, okay, I'll try that. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Send me the study later. Like, I've tried eating nothing, and it didn't work. (laughs) You know, so you know. But um, it yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean, like, it's really hard on your family. Like, it was really hard on my missus. Like, yeah, know. I mean, especially because like, it took me from getting the disease in what year ten, so like fourteen, fifteen years old. It took me until I left school mm. to be able to openly admit to people like I have this condition. <clears throat> this is what this means. Yeah. Like, it was funny, my, uh, all, my, all my school friends, because um, I went from boarding school to a state school for sixth form, all the guys in sixth form, like, I told them individually, like, one by one, and I always said, okay, at the end of upper sixth, that's when I'll be okay to tell people. Yeah. And you don't realize, especially being a bit younger, that if you just tell people they're okay with it, yeah. you expect to be shunned. <laughs> And that's just, like, not a thing that happens. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I'm, I'm quite glad I got it when I was a bit older. Yeah. Because I think people are a bit more mature about it. But um, And I think you're a bit more at peace with yourself. Yeah. And I, at the time, like, because this is all my formative years. Yeah. Like, man, I was fucked up. Like, 14-year-old kid, because I had the colostomy bag as well. So, like, being a, a 16-year-old with a colostomy bag, you're just like, great, guess I'm never dating. <laughs> like, this is fun. Yeah. Like, I've got a shit bag attached to me. <laughs> How sexy. I mean, it's, it's terrifying. I mean, like, the kind of things that you have to start considering that you're going to have to deal with, you know, yeah. it's, it's really scary. I don't know. I mean, I can't understand how you've gone through that because, I mean, um, when I was uh, going through the, the motions with the doctors, I mean, there was a strong, like, a, a big time when they were basically trying to push me towards surgery, you know? Yeah. And um, I was, it's just terrifying, you know, that, is it got is it that bad you know yeah I'm gonna have to get something taken out of me it's not cool like I kind of like it where it is you know I mean we're not getting along right now but we're still friends right <laughs> I mean yeah it's, I mean it's really scary it's like um, you know yeah you start you start processing all the stuff like okay I'm gonna have to do this differently I'm gonna have to do this differently I think it's a level of fear as well that a lot of people will never and have never dealt with yeah because it's like this is the thing that's going to impact the entire rest of my life. Yeah. Full stop. And again, it's just not a very dignified disease. No. You know, you can get so many other things and, you know, you'll get the world's sympathy. You've got something kind of gastro related. People still take a step back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's not, it's, it's embarrassing as hell, you know? Yeah. But and it's embarrassing to admit that you have it. Yeah. Like, that's one of the reasons it took me such a long time to be okay and open about talking about it. And then, yeah, the worst thing is that you, like, you you haven't done anything to get it. That's yeah. the worst thing, you know? It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And it's um, it's stressful because you're like, you know, 
you'd feel better about it if you deserved it in a way do you know what I mean yeah. like if you're like okay well I was a kind of a muppet and I was kind of doing all this stupid this stupid crap and now I've got this thing yeah. fair enough yeah. you know <laughs> but it's uh, like like I look back <laughs> and I'm just like oh. one thing I really hate is when some people say like oh God has a plan I'm just like fuck you yeah because I mean, like I was a 14 year old kid <laughs> yeah. whose only crime was liking Star Trek too much and it's like incurable bowel condition <laughs> like life yeah. isn't fair I mean I, I like to think that God's got bigger things to deal with than my bowels but <laughs> to each their own right I mean whatever exactly it is crazy I mean but definitely I mean like my family's definitely supported me through it yeah my so wife's I'm, been amazing because I've like you know she, I mean she's had to deal with like my mood swings me being completely useless and just like not being a very good plus one you know it's 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 tough you know like she like obviously a lot of her friends are back in India we've gone back for weddings and stuff like that and I've had to just bow out sometimes you know like I'm just like I can't just can't I'm going back to the room and I'm gonna cry <laughs> you know yeah. and it's it's really difficult and again at certain well back then I wouldn't be comfortable telling people so like I can't tell your friends why I'm like this and you know they just think you know he's being, being a bit of a bit of an arsehole yeah. yeah you know and um it's it's really tough it's really tough like she she'd like surprise me take me on holidays and I'd just be kind of pissed off about it because I'm like I'm not in a condition for this right now you know planning really ahead for anything at the moment I just it's impossible literally it's just like I don't know how I'm going to feel yeah. then like you know? in six months I don't know what my physical state will be like yeah. so I can't plan this holiday literally one thing I find oh, I think it, Naomi told me the other day was it you and Naomi like on your honeymoon yeah you were really bad I was really bad yeah <laughs> and so you hadn't told it yet I hadn't told it yet so I, I have uh, nut allergies as well okay so on the first night of our honeymoon I got fed um, some kind of pesto based thing it was, it was fantastic so we're at a restaurant I asked this guy, has it got nuts in it? No nuts, no nuts, no nuts. We're in Greece, yeah. I'm like, great. Ask someone else, no nuts, right? You sure? I will die. You're like, no, 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 no nuts, no nuts, no nuts. Fine, they bring out my food. Take a bite, take a bite. Another waiter just runs over. No. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, crap. Come on, man. And then, yeah, so I spent the first night just like puking my guts out. Always and a good thing to start. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like you don't know which way you got to go. Because your, your, your colitis is, is kicking your ass as well. And it's like, you know, you're kind of sitting and then you want to turn around and then you want to turn back around. It's like, which way is it going to come out? You don't know, <laughs> you know? And it's it's uh, it's fantastic, really. Oh, yeah. I'd recommend it to anybody. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> you hadn't told Naomi at that point, I hadn't told her, didn't So, like, I think it was you or her who was saying that, like, you were just stuck in the room and she was like, what are you doing? Mm. Like, stop being an arsehole. We're on a honeymoon. Mm. Come out and do things. And you're just like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. But yeah, I mean, like, I think, touch wood, like, I did manage to kind of get through a lot of, I mean, I was still working pretty much as crazy amounts as I was before. And it kind of like, it was really difficult, but it gave me something to do, which I think was a big help. Um, until it got I mean it got to the point where basically I was in the doctor's office for one of my checkups and she was like uh, I was in my uniform ready to go teach a class afterwards and she's like yeah you're not going anywhere we're gonna you're staying you're staying and I was like no I'm not and she's like yeah you are you're staying in this hospital 
until uh, you know you're having less than 15 bowel movements a day and I was like well <laughs> fair enough and um, I would like to point out as well like 15 <laughs> isn't an exaggeration yeah like, no that's an actual that's, that's, thing. that's an actual number you know and um, yeah I was in for like 10 days and it was it was like uh, it's the first time I've ever been in hospital really yeah and um, it was it was awful like uh, my family were visiting me my wife was in India because she was still sorting our visa so she's freaking out over there like crying like oh my god my husband's in hospital because until this point she didn't know it was this bad you know and um my parents are freaking out you know they come and visit my mom's crying i was like dad can you just not bring her please (laughs) because it's bumming me out you know (laughs) and um you know you're just stuck in this room all day you can't surrounded by like sick people that are much older than you and it's just like this feels weird you know (sighs) I think being this age as well, because yeah. we're both, well, I'm 29 now, you're 28. 28 yeah. Being this age, or in your 20s at all, and having a chronic condition and going to hospital is awful yeah. because everyone's old. There's like, no one you can There's no one to with. talk to. No one. I was 25 and I was just stuck in a bed and I was just like miserable, just yeah. completely miserable. Like, um, you know, you have all these plans like, oh, cool, I'll just watch loads of movies and read loads of books. I did nothing when I was there. You people don't realize you can be too tired for Netflix. Like, it just the last two months I've been really bad, and you have all these plans. You have all these like, say, like for example, a bedtime routine. Yeah, I have a bedtime routine where I you know brush my teeth, plan out my next day, read my Kindle for about an hour. Yeah, no chance when you're ill. You like I have never been capable of reading anything when I'm ill. Yeah, like it's not gonna happen. <coughs> like. Yeah, 100%, yeah, no, can't read, can't, like, watch movies, you just kind of, it's like, it kind of irritates you that there's something, there's there's some kind of stimulus, you're just like, I just, I need nothing, I need to, like, just completely be in, like, a black room with no sound, and just curl in a ball and cry, it's like, and I mean, like, recently, like, there are levels to it, like, I couldn't read, but I could lie down perfectly still on my Xbox, yeah, because all it requires is thumb movement, exactly, yeah, but beyond that, like my mom actually said like oh why couldn't you make this phone call it was really important I'm like I was ill yeah like, can't do it and they just don't compute yeah. it I mean, because it's, it's like it's it's um it's it's such a psychological thing as well I mean like there's so many small tasks that like if I do it like when I when I was really sick like mm. you know I would start just getting cramps and pain yeah and it's just like um again it comes out of that thing of just you've got to be really selfish with yourself and just be like you know I'm only going to do things that I'm comfortable doing yeah and I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what you think of me. This sucks. It hurts. It really hurts. And it doesn't hurt. Like, you being pissed at me doesn't hurt as much. You know? So, I'm sorry. But I'm going to do me right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you know? And it feels shit. And, like, you do feel guilty about it. Yeah. You're like, I don't have a choice here. Yeah. Like, I've just got to do what I need to do. Literally. And if that means I lie on the couch and, like, play Metal Gear Solid 5 for a week, like, mm. that's what I've got to do. Yeah. But then, like, again, coming back from that, like, when like I did start feeling better and I would like the first the very first thing I'd be interested in doing is training yeah you know straight away like 100% eat and train I think um, the first time I, I, I had the uh, prenicillin on steroids which oh. are a godsend for anyone who doesn't know so it's like um, you know this will stop your pain give you your appetite back it will also make your face swell up give you acne and destroy your joints and yes. give you insomnia but and it yeah I think it messes with the mood a little bit as well. Oh yeah, like I I got like quite serious depression. Yeah. When I first got on. However. Like, heavy steroids. You can eat. 
Oh, oh man, you, you can, can eat. eat. On the first day, you can eat. You know, it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's so quick. It's literally just like, I mean, when I'm on those, I'm like, is this what I would feel like if I wasn't ever sick? Literally. You know? And it's it's like, I feel like superhuman sometimes. Like, yeah. I've got so much energy. I've got such a good appetite. Like, when I when I first went on the steroids, I put on 12 kilos in three weeks. Yeah. You know? And people at work were like, what the hell are you doing? You know? Yeah. Because I was just like, I, don't, I was having 3,000 calories before 9 a.m. You know? I was just like smashing food and then just killing the weights. You know? And again it's um it's something i've been able to do because i was training beforehand like i've got friends i've got a friend who's got crohn's and um she's had it from about the age of 19 i think Mm. and she's been on and off the steroids and her joints are completely shot it's made her put on like weight and it's so difficult for her to kind of exercise now because her joints are in really bad condition and it's um you know she can't do high impact exercises and stuff like that and she gets really tired and like every time she tries to exercise she hurts herself and it's like um, I'm the complete opposite like I've been beasting myself since I was young mm-hmm. so like I started feeling it though like I'd be on the steroids and I feel like my, my, my bones are getting softer and stuff like that you know and like mm-hmm. you feel it but like I feel like the fact that like I was so determined to exercise got me through so much of it you know I agree completely I had the same thing because when I was in school and I first got the condition mm. A I was in no position to be doing anything of course yeah but also I was not a sporty kid. I was the nerdy kid who played Warhammer and computer games yeah. and I still play Warhammer. Games. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, not into sports. Yeah. And then as soon as I hit uni, I went mental and yeah. did everything. Captain defensive team. I mean, when I, when I first met you, you were like big. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the moment, this is me down 10 kilos yeah. because it's been a really crap two years health wise. So I'm now 60. I think today I'm 63 kilos, but on Monday I was 61. And the heaviest I've ever been was 72. Mm. And because I've got small bones, I look massive. <laughs> but, like, being able to be sporty, because at uni I was fencing three, four times a week, gym three times a week, and sometimes rock climbing once or twice on top of that. Like, I was doing everything. Mm. And to go from that mm. to I'm not in a position to do any physical activity no. is jarring, depressing, and super upsetting. Yeah. And you, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to be like, I have to be okay with this. This yeah. is my life now. And then when I can go back to it, then, I'll, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. But the whole reason for starting all of that was like, I need to do this because I can. Yeah, literally. It makes you appreciate 100%. when you can do things. Literally. Like, I mean, I, I came back to exercise with this mentality of like, I don't know how many days I'll be able to do this. You know, like I remember what it feels like to not be able to move. And I didn't like it. You know, I mean when I was in hospital for 10 days when I like left like I was like shaking you know because your body's like I was barely eating anything I'd lost tons of weight and I was like a sick person you know like literally frail sick person I was like that's not me you know I can't do that so like I came back and I was just like I'm going to work out and I will not give myself an excuse you know like I'm going to train hard and it's 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 just like it changes your mentality to everything you're just like you know again it's like it's it's self-obsession but it's like in the best way it's just like you know i have to make myself stronger because if i get sick again you know like i'm gonna be heavier than last time so even when i lose weight i'm not gonna be losing that much and it's like you know i will still be better off than i was i think it goes back to this thing about perspective Mm. so having a chronic condition and like i've almost died twice now Mm that kind of experience 
changes the way you see a lot of things. Like I always say, like yeah, I don't do stress because nothing will ever be as bad as yeah, that. Literally. So like going through uni, no one ever really understood like why I didn't get stressed about uni work. I'm mm. like, this is nothing. This is nothing. Yeah. It just it's exactly it trivializes everything else. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, like I remember like before I started the infusions, they've got this um, this three tier system for how bad your colitis is, and. Um, Actually, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, it, I, it, the thing is, every time I go, they tell me new information. <laughs> and it's like, great, okay, cool. So she was like, so we have this system. And I was like, okay, cool. You didn't tell me before. So it's one, two, and three. So like mild, moderate, fucking awful. <laughs> and so she was like, so you used to be a two. Now you're a three. So I was like, so I'm going the other way. And she's like, yeah. Mm. You know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, surely there's something wrong then, right? You know, I mean, I'm supposed to be getting better, not worse, but whatever, fine. You know what you're doing, don't you? It's fine. But, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, since I started the infusions, like, Touchwood has been much better. Like, you can almost, like, you have days where you forget, you know? Wow. But it's like... That's a big thing. It's, it's... You, there's, there's so many underlying things that you have. Like, I'm exhausted all the fucking time. Yeah. And, you know, like, my appetite is meh mostly you know and um, you know pretty much I do still get blood when I go to the bathroom every now and then and it's like initially it freaks you out but you're like nah it's oh, I of mean course. come on it's all good you know as long as I'm not in like searing pain it's fine <laughs> but um, you just kind of you get so used to how you've been feeling that like you're like this is, this is, this is a good day for me you know it's alright and um, it just puts everything into perspective and like you know as someone who like trains people for a living they're all bloody crying about how hard it is like shut up <laughs> <laughs> you know they're like you know oh but we can't be as fit as you Vijay I'm like you have no idea really <laughs> really okay you know it's, it's literally just like um, it's, it's, it's a fantastic thing to be able to talk about it with someone as well and um, I, I remember that day it was Fran's birthday yeah, where we went out we and um, steps. me and yeah. you literally we, we talked for hours and I yeah. literally that was the first time I was able to speak to someone about this and I was like oh my god we're talking about poop and it's okay <laughs> like this is fine okay actually, I remember afterwards <laughs> as well um, I, got a, I got a whatsapp from Naomi and she was like oh my god I've never heard VJ talk about yes. this, like this at all yeah. he's never done it literally like, thank mean, you so much and I was just like <clears throat> I wish I had been able to talk about this early enough when I had it yeah. because back when I oh god I'm so old back in the day when I first got it like there's no Instagram yeah. no Facebook no like <clears throat> even fucking MySpace wasn't even a thing yeah. there was no social network to connect you with other people who had the condition and god forbid that no one's going to post on their high five that they've got class oh absolutely not <laughs> you know, like, no 15 year old is going to be like oh by the way guys on I've MSN Messenger my, my MSN status shitting blood yeah <laughs> you know it's, it's not going to be a thing but I mean it makes I mean now there's so many people that talk about it there's so many people on Instagram and on social media that are like openly kind of showing and the vast majority of them have turned to exercise as a yeah. way of feeling better you know because like one of the biggest things that happens is weight loss you know it, it destroys your mood it makes you weak yeah. you know and so many people have, have been like you know what I'm gonna start lifting <laughs> and it's gonna sort me out and it's it's awesome to see you know Indeed. so yeah it's a shitty disease it's a terrible disease but <laughs> life goes on right 
Exactly. That, that's the main thing. Like what you can do with yourself in spite of it. You know. Exactly. And, and I think on that bombshell, uh, we're going to end it. I want to say thanks to Yellow Coffee and uh, Doghouse Fitness for letting us uh, film here. They, they um, know we're here. We'll do. I'll put some <laughs> links in the description to a couple of people who've been talking about this. I think it's Hannah Witten and Hank Green a few other people um, just so people get some more information but uh, yeah thanks for coming down wicked man it's been really good to be here for sure thank you but hi hello we're literally catch. filming <laughs> yeah, but you, you catch lose catch heat. Oh, yeah, nice catch this is Vijay, nice he's the guy with nice like this as well. Hi, that's me. <laughs> cool, alright, I'll see you later. <laughs> what time is that you've been there? I don't know. <laughs> Bloopers. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Put this at the end. <laughs> oh dear. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is what happens when you live with your mum. Oh dear. <laughs> I can't, I can't even. Where were we? Oh, pick Sussex. Up. Pick up. So Sussex. Okay. <coughs> <laughs> so, um...